Welcome to the Australian Property Investment Podcast with your host, Aaron Christie-David. Each episode, we ask an expert to share their key insights for aspiring investors to make confident property choices. G'day, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Australian Property Investment Podcast. My name is Aaron Christie-David, and I run a mortgage-broking business called Atelier Wealth. Uh, we seek to help property investors start out their journey and scale up their property portfolio. And as part of that journey to scale up is education, which is the centerpiece to helping investors make better property decisions. That's the core of what we believe in. As part of that, we'd like to bring, bring in what I call best-in-breed. So these are experts who are top of their field, uh, who know what they're doing because they do it, they live this and breathe this daily and it's their world. And to welcome you to someone who lives and breathes buyer's agency, so property is in her veins, is Amanda Gould from High Spec Properties. G'day, Amanda. Hey, Aaron. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks. Good to see you. Yeah, nice and glowing. I think we call this the Byron Glow, is it? It is a bit of the Byron Glow, <laughs> although lately it has been raining a bit, so <laughs> in, intermittently. Yeah. We'll touch on the Byron Glow in a second um, because I know that you've had some exciting news when your business has now transitioned to its uh, next phase of having a satellite office. Do we call, right. call it a satellite office? No, it's we, an office. It's the office? Yeah. Yeah. Um, up in Byron, but I mean, we've known each other for quite some years and I mean, you've built a stellar reputation for yourself here in Sydney. Um, high spec buyers agencies name your business. Thank you. Uh, you know, you've been across media. I know you've bought, sold plenty on, on a personal level as well. So for anyone listening, I want to take them on a journey, which is the Amanda Gould story, which is uh, what I call the three P's. So personal life, property side and professional side. So if you want to indulge us a little bit about I know you've got a beautiful family as well, young daughter, so a bit about your personal life and, and then about how you built your business and then property size works. I know you started fairly early in your, in your journey to buy property as well. Sure. Okay, so personal side, I have a 10-year-old daughter. Yeah. Uh, I actually started my buyer's agency or studied for my buyer's agency licence when I was on maternity leave with her. How did that um, go? Because I have not a now uh, – I have two little babies and I've seen what pregnancy does for a female. So that's one of those great years where you're probably getting, I guess, your, your skills are coming up, but you come out of the workforce, for example. The juggle is kind of what I'm, I mean, juggle for any parent, but a pregnant mother now, a new, a new mother, that's a huge shift. It was. Well, 27 years in the travel industry yeah. and I was in a very high-level job um, yeah. within travel and uh, high pressure, I should say, travelling to Melbourne every week. And yeah. I thought, what am I going to do when I got pregnant at 40 and then I had her at 41? Mm. I thought I have to look at an alternative career path. Uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't see myself getting on a flight because it was always a 6.30 flight, you yeah. know, f uh, at least once a week. And I thought, what am I going to do? Cl cloak my daughter at the Corners Club? That's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> and most um, daycares don't let them in before 7.15. Yeah. So, That's a logistical nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought, and my, my parents are too far away on the northern yeah. beaches. So I thought, you know what? I have to look at this. What do I know? Well, property, as you said, is in my blood yeah. and it has been since I was 18. And fashion, they were two, my two passions. I've already had the third passion, which is travel. And I, you know, mm. I've been all over everywhere um, because of that job. And I really am thankful for that. Yeah. But having a pregnancy later in life, it just made me really think, thankfully, I had a foundation. I had some money behind me so I yeah. could actually pivot. I had a very supportive husband also, which made a, you know, a huge yeah, difference. A huge difference yeah. And then I thought, well, what do I know? How, how can I translate what I know into a role? And because so many friend, friends and family kept seeing me buying and selling real estate, um, you know, and saying, seeing me flip real estate, which yeah. is also one of my passions, renovating, 
they'd say, hey, you know, can you come and go to an auction to, for me? I'm too scared. Yeah. Or, hey, I wasn't being paid. I wasn't a licensed buyer's Things agent at this for time. Just family. for friends, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if you see this type of property, can you send me a link, you know, or can you negotiate for me or whatever it happened to be? So I and then I was told by a friend in the industry, hey, that's that's a buyer's agent role. I said, Oh, I've never heard of that. This mm. is eleven years ago. And the and the proposition was fair, fairly new at that stage. It was pretty yeah, new. There was only a handful of us yeah. that I could actually look at. To, for a direction and what they're yeah. doing, et cetera. And then I rang the Real Estate Institute of yeah. New South Wales to find out what the licensing requirements were. And um, thankfully I was able to do that that license online. So if Molly Thank was you. up at 2 a.m. and I was breastfeeding, I could just pop on and answer some oh, questions good. while she's taking a merry time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's really how um, how that started. And I'm, I don't know, I'm always one, a, a person that has lots going. Mm. Everybody looks at me and go, how do you do all this? It's just it's just who I am. Yeah. I'm a high energy person, so yeah. I like to be busy. It's very rare that I have downtime, although that's coming up in December, January. I was say, your downtime is probably someone's uptime where they're they're, they're multitasking yeah. best. So your your downtime is very different to others. Yes, uh, true, yeah. true. So I have a ten year old daughter now, and you know I started the business eleven years ago. I have a husband um, who, again, I just I will say this: he's very supportive, especially with me opening up in Byron and Beautiful. having to take over while I'm up there on you know the shifts that. I would norm- yeah. I would normally drop her at school. So the unsung hero is the person behind the, the self-employed, the, yes. so, the small business owner. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, without him, I, it would just be a logistical nightmare yeah. um, to be able to manage. She's getting older, so it's a lot easier to to manage a ten year old than a five year old. Different challenges, which is extracurricular. Uh, I mean, I always say, like, even now, like, I look at the future going, actually, I think now with a three-year-old, I have more time on my hands yeah. than probably with a 10-year-old. Well, know? she's got gymnastics three days a week. <laughs> she's got swimming squad in the mornings, yeah. um, seven to eight every uh, three not, three mornings a week. Yeah. And these are critical years that you want to be around as well, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. So, you know, she did say to me not long ago, because I said, oh, I'm employing new people, which will free up my time. Mm. And she said to me the other day, she keeps me accountable. <laughs> she said, now you've got all these new people on, you need to spend more time with me. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to cry now. I need to actually, you know, walk the walk. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so that's that's that um, part of my mm. life. Now, with the property journey, as you um, alluded to, I did start early. Mm. My first purchase was in 1988. Yeah. Um, so it was very different to the market now. Mm. Um, not many young people were buying property at that stage. I was the only person I knew. Yeah. Um, I mean, the- even now, like young people – I feel like people get into the market. It's still a bit later. Yeah, sure, you get a couple of 18-year-olds, but that's still – It's still young. 18 is still an achievement. doesn't matter what it's like years Absolutely. ago or today. Yeah. Um, the, you'll, you'll like this story. 18.74% in NAB I was playing for my, my first nice. interest rate. <laughs> I was earning 5900 a year as a travel consultant. Yeah. And it was a $66,000 studio on one of Manly's best streets wow. um, in the Eastern Hill. And uh, I bought in a high – um, you know, but I made something ugly, pretty basic in a yeah. real basic form. So yeah. I wouldn't say it was a renovation. It was more like painting the cupboards, putting new carpet in, painting the walls and putting some lights in. But then it actually gave me an uplift of more rent. And okay. I thought, wow, that's interesting that I was getting that rent before, but now I've got, you know, an extra, I can't remember how much it was, but let's just say it was an extra 15, 20 bucks a week. Yeah. When you extrapolate how much I spent out over the time, it was actually well worth the effort. Excellent. And that's sparked my passion quite early on adding value to a property. I've always loved interior design so that I have an eye for that. And a lot of people, I think it's only 20% of the um, population have that um, vision that yeah, they can nice. walk in and then they can move walls in their heads and they can see that. Uh, if I've you got have that, that, that's a gift because mm. I cannot. I'm, I'm, the, I'm one of the, what is it, the other 80%? 80. Yeah. 
cannot see it until it's done. Yeah. yeah. So and and that's why interior designers and architects and people like that they've they've got that twenty percent, so mm. they can actually walk in and understand how the best way to rejig a floor plan. I thankfully can see that, and that if that means moving a kitchen to a bathroom or vice versa and mm. knocking out a wall, I can give that advice to my clients, which that's is really right. paramount. Yeah. And it is an unusual skill. A lot of um, other people in my positions would probably get experts to come in, yeah. whereas I'm on the ground, I can say it's going to be a $100,000 renovation yeah. or it's going to be a you know a $500,000 extension. Mm. I've usually got those skills to be able to price that out pretty closely to Excellent. what, um, you know, the experts, although, you know, prices have right gone now. up yeah. um, at the moment. So that is a little bit more challenging with, with materials. Yeah. Mm. Excellent. And as your buyer's agency has evolved, I guess you've added a few more strings to your bow. You've, you know, clients' needs have changed. And changed. I think expats have probably been another big part of, part of your business as well. I guess as as the uh, your business has evolved, as the market has kind of taken to the buyer's agent proposition as mm. well, your business has been probably that that prime that prime position that I kind of pick up on the last couple of years of a heightened property market as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So buyers agents, obviously, with shows like location, location, million dollar listing, etc., mm. we're becoming a lot more. Um, mainstream and credit, yeah. you know, like credible, and people are seeing us more and more. And the, the value proposition is absolutely there, right? The value proposition, look, the value proposition really hasn't changed. It's, you know, taking away the stress, being a professional negotiator. We're buying one to five properties a week. There's yeah. no way a, a layman who's just buying, you know, one or two of even five homes could compete with that. Correct. And they're going up against really keen negotiators, agents. Like, That's right. I can't believe that some people <laughs> would take one of the most valuable assets of their life and they'll go in and try to bat against some of the biggest agents out there that Correct. I know how to negotiate against because I deal with them all the time. Yeah. And I know that I need to pivot for one. I need to change my tack for another. I need, you know, there's certain, there's certain aspects that every single negotiation is different. Mm. You cannot ever say it's blanket. Like I could write a manual on how to negotiate, but you read, it's never the same. Mm. There's always going to be different pain points from a vendor's perspective that we have to be aware of. Yeah. And of course, budget comes into it. Yeah. If our clients have the budget and whether that's really in line with where we see the value, because as you know, um, underquoting is rife yeah. um, still, even yeah. with fair trading, handing out fines. I don't think there's enough of them. They've, I don't think they've got enough people on the ground to be able to manage yeah. that effectively. But be, being aware of where that sits. So if, if an agent's quoting a 1.6 to 1.8, we know it's a 2.2 mm. price. Telling Whereas the client. a buyer is then going frustrated, going that was listed at one six yeah, one eight, and then very. it's still, and that's compounding because now they're just going to go. Well, I'm just going to pay it over and above just to try and take this property off the market. Whereas a buyer's agent is going, this is a trained eye. It's this is how it's priced from a pricing strategy perspective. Yeah. And, then, and the data, like yeah. we have to have that data back up. We can't just say, oh, that's a two point two house without yeah. having some sort of comparable that we can say. These properties sold in the last, you know, six months and that's yeah. where we have used as a comparison, same size block, you know, aspect, brick home, whatever mm. it happens to be, and then use that as a comparable rather than, you know, an underquote. And and same with people that are out there without buyers agents that are, you know, trying to compete with people throwing money at a problem, yeah. trying to buy before Christmas, for example, but they actually might be overpaying because they haven't done their due diligence around price. Mm. And they, they're saying, oh, they're just using, you know, what the agents told them. And the agent's there to work for the vendor. Totally. It, they always are. As nice as some of them may be to the buyers, yes. they're there to work for the to the vendor. We're here to work exclusively for the buyer. Yeah. And agents will tell us things that they won't tell 
um, you know, a general buyer. I mean, you're wholesale, we're retail, yeah. right? And naturally gonna, they're going to harness those relationships with buyer's agents because you're going to potentially come back and, again, and again and again. And, yeah. and there's certain agents that we deal with all the time and they know if we say we're going to buy something yeah. that we will perform. Great. You know, as long as we've done our due diligence yeah. and, and we, we think it's a fair price and then we start into the negotiating, et cetera, but it's always understanding how that's going to play out first yeah. and holding them to it. Because, you know, there's a lot of um, people out there that will start negotiating one way and then they'll pivot and change. And I'm like, hang on a minute, that's not how you said that this was going to go. So it's holding them accountable for what they've said they're going to do too because, you know, in an industry, in any industry, there's good and there's bad. Absolutely. And it's really knowing how to apply a different strategy to that. Yeah, excellent. to get the best outcome, of course. Yeah, lovely, lovely. I mentioned at the very start about your uh, your Byron escapade yes. and your glow how that comes with it. I saw I saw on your socials that uh, there is now a high spec Byron office, and there I thought, is. isn't that incredible? Um, and if a man is going to Byron, there's got to be something in the air up there as well. I mean, Byron Bay has probably been the darling of Australia yep. since COVID hit. Um, Absolutely, everyone kind of uses a digital nomad to kind of uproot family, uproot their work, and be able to be based from there as well. So. The advantage that I guess that you have that I want to have a chat to you about is you've been on the ground. You've been there. You, you've seen what's going on. So what has what has been, obviously the beaches and the lifestyle there is fantastic, but what has been the draw card for Byron to be the hotspot for Australia? Well, talking about COVID, as you mentioned, because of the decentralisation of the working environment, yep. so many people are working from home. And because that was extended and extended and extended with lockdown, a lot of people have thought, well, let me get a second home. So whether that be the Central Coast or Byron Bay or wherever, and then I'll work out of that. And then if I have to fly back to Sydney, I will Mm. if that opens up again. So that's really how Byron, it's always been obviously a hotspot and it's been an amazing place. And I've been holidaying there since the 80s. Wish I had a bought property back then. (laughs) Let's go there. I mean, how much would you think we would have paid for something that you've looked at recently? Something I bought myself. So I'm walking the the walk. I'm talking the talk. So I bought something in Suffolk Park, which is my one of my favourite spots in Byron. Yeah. It's got an amazing dog beach, so I've got um, Billy, my yes. greyhound, so yeah. I can't wait to see her running up and down that beach never be able to catch her. <laughs> um, I don't know what that would have been back in the day, you know, 500,000 mm. maybe 15 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the average the average home in Byron is now 2.8. Like it's, it's yeah. su- superseded. It's millionaire's um, row now effectively, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And you can still get property. You just got to be connected. Like there's a lot of off-market sales up there. And the reason I opened up there not only was my passion and I've been going up there for such a long time, but I did see a shift during COVID of people mm. buying outside in, into more regional towns. Yeah. It is still a regional town. It still has a regional mentality a lot of the time. Yes. But it's got the big ticket items and the big ticket prices like a, like a city. Yeah. And what I found is, this, this is from client feedback, is since we've opened and the clients that we've helped up there, and that's been locals too, not just Sydney people, yeah, okay. um, Florida, interstate people flying, yeah. but we've had a good mix of locals and, and interstaters, is that they weren't sure who to trust when they went up there Mm. and they weren't sure if they were getting good advice and, you know, to be able to bring, you know, high spec to Byron and to be able to give them that peace of mind that they've got someone that's on their side to work in their interest that knows. I mean, obviously my team is growing up there. I've um, Felicity works for me. She's a local. Yeah, great. From Mullumbimby. So she really knows all the areas and how long it takes to get from A to B. And, you know, she lives on acreage herself. Um, I think all of our properties that we've purchased, except for one, has been on acreage. So 
I think knowing the because that's a new learning curve for me too. Yeah, you know, is it fenced? Has it got a dam? Has it got outbuildings? <laughs> you know, all this sort of stuff's very new for somebody that's used to Sydney you know central Sydney. Yeah. yeah, central Sydney. So that's been really exciting. Um, I've got another three people starting. It's One's incredible. just signed the contract today and another two buyer's agents. Um, and one of them's local, one of them's coming from Sydney, their sisters. Beautiful. So that's going to be a bit of fun um, having that we're going to call them the dynamic duo, I think. Yeah. But really just having people on the ground that are there to service the client to their best ability and give them the local knowledge that they are lacking coming from here because pretty pictures can show, mm-hmm. you know, they can look completely different online, but you actually might be buying in a flood prone zone or a fire, um, fire, you know, like. Yeah, fire risk, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of those things up there that we don't deal with in Sydney yeah, that yeah. you could easily waste your money and sell big purchases. Yes. Um, with the wrong type, you know, the wrong type of property that's going to leave you in a, in a deficit at the end, which yeah. we don't want to happen. So just being able to service everybody and whether that's locals or uh, interstaters and know that they've got someone on their side to go to bat to them, to mm. give them the best property for their budget, no, well no matter what the budget is. And so, I mean, the budgets, we'll talk about budgets, but I mean, Byron, you mentioned Suffolk Park, for example. So have you seen a shift in what I call that next suburb across? And I know that you've buy and you've bought heavily around the inner west as well. Yes. I mean, Newtown was probably that iconic one where it was Newtown or Bondi in the east. Yep. And then Coogee became popular and you look at Newtown, uh, Marrickville become popular as well. So that next suburb across, I guess, that, that effect, how is that kind of playing out in Byron as well? Yeah, look, I think that's that is a, a really good example. So if we look at um, places like Suffolk Park, so there's two sides of Suffolk Park. There's a beach side, which most people from Sydney want to be on, yeah. um, but it's a million-dollar difference to the other side. Mm. Um, so the other side, if it's still walkable to the beach, I see that coming up because it's yeah. going to be – it's sort of still married. It's the same suburb. It's just divided by a main road. So, you know, that's going to start coming up a little bit more than it is because it's super affordable now, but it's not as walkable. Right. You know, so and or maybe maybe if you like my the property I bought for our, my family yeah. is three streets back from the beach. Obviously, you're not going to go wrong being in that location. Mm. In fact, you know, I I, I think it's a, probably about six or seven weeks ago I exchanged. It's already come up about a hundred to one hundred and fifty k. Incredible, just from other sales that have happened in the area or on smaller blocks. So, yeah. you know, in that sort of really really short time, you know, I'm I'm definitely investing in the location that I'm buying in yeah. because I believe in it. Even though there's been 50 to 70% growth depending on the suburb. In Byron, I still see people coming in and driving those prices up and there's still room for growth. Yeah, wow. And long-term growth. Speaking about long-term growth, and this goes, I guess, it's where you see the whole country on fire from a, from a property investment perspective. How much more do you think there is left in the tank for, for growth in, in Byron as well? Look, I, I certainly don't think there's going to be anywhere near what we've seen in the last year, and that was really COVID-specific. As you know, um, and this is growth right across the country, was, yeah. was specifically Sydney because that's where I know Sydney, New South Wales. Yeah. This, we were in an unusual – this is not a growth cycle. We no. had our growth in 2017, and we shouldn't be coming up for another growth cycle in such a short amount of time. Yeah. So this is an anomaly. Yeah. Um, so it's it's driven by the lockdown, COVID, the decentralisation of the working environment, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So I definitely see it levelling out. It can't keep growing like this. I yeah. mean, I was saying about this the other day to one of my team, you know, if it keeps going like this, we're going to be paying $2 million for a one-bedroom apartment with no parking. Mm. You know, that's not going to happen. We've already seen a softening in the market uh, in Sydney the last three weeks. Yeah, We've seen a lot more reductions in price, um, a lot more emails coming through about off-market because there's not enough time between now and Christmas to do a full four-week campaign. Yeah, 
And then in Byron, the knock-on effect with Byron, Byron usually follows Sydney about a month later. Yeah, well, okay. So the softening hasn't happened there. Well, we haven't seen that yet. It's still pretty hot. There's still a lot of locals trying to buy. Yeah. Um, we've helped a couple of really lovely, you know, one first-time buyer and another people wanting to buy acreage up there that are locals to buy, but they were just competing with locals. And, yeah. you know, and, of course, then you've got the interstate up, yeah. up on top of that. So they were missing out all the time and just having somebody on their side to be able to help them with that makes all the difference. And then I guess the – because I had a meeting with one of the big banks recently as well, and I guess their direction is they from the RBA they can't see price growth happening year on year at twenty percent. No. So very similar, very similar context what you just mentioned there as well. So I guess what the banks have done is done a bit of that heavy lifting for the for the RBA. Rates have bumped up. I think we've yep. seen three rate rises in the last few weeks on fixed rates. Yeah, sub two percent almost. That ship has definitely sailed. Changes on 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 borrowing capacities that's starting to come out. So just these small little tweaks we're just kind of seeing is it'll just bring that heat out of the market people still buy there'll always be a, there'll always be that activity in the market maybe just not that heightened sense of activity i in the think market. we react quite quickly too if you look at back 2017 yep. then we had an election in 2018 that dipped just yep. before the election when they didn't know then the the same government stayed in so then it started coming up again mm. then it went back down and then it went back up then we had COVID. it went down and then it came back up at the end of 2021 sorry 2020 last yeah. year um so we see a lot of like growth and then dips and then a little bit of coming back from the market and i think that's what's going to happen like it's got a when we have such growth big growth numbers in sydney and byron and and elsewhere then the knock-on effect will be lower you know Mm. that whether that's going to be in the minuses i don't know but even if it comes down 10 percent, it went up 20 correct you know five whatever it wherever the location is you're looking it's gone up enough to cover that unless you're flipping if you're holding long term it's it's irrelevant. It's like buying a share and then going, oh my God, it's dropped, you know, yeah. you know, two points. It's only dropped on you if you sell it's it. It's only if you're selling yeah. it that yeah. it matters. So I think for flippers, you've got to be really careful um, that you're buying and selling in the same season. Yes. But um, for a long term hold, I don't think it's as, as relevant. I mean, it's nice to know that you've got an asset that's performing. Correct. And that's about like anywhere, whether it's Byron or Sydney, you know, each location you were saying about the inner west and the knock on suburbs, et cetera. Look, I live in Tempe. Yeah. And when I moved from Surrey Hills, you can imagine, 14 years ago, there wasn't even a coffee shop. And now the knock-on effect of people not being able to afford Marrickville because it's so expensive, (laughs) they've all come to Tempe. Great. Or Newtown from Erskineville to Tempe. And if you said that to somebody 14 years ago, well, when I moved there, you wouldn't have believed it. It used to be the poor country cousin of the inner west. Now it's like a hotspot people want to go because the community is so great and because the schools are so great. Mm. So it's knowing the streets that will perform better because every suburb has them, That's better exactly. streets than other streets and why they're better and understanding the value proposition of each location. Mm. That's spot on. The, the the B word I'm going to say, I guess thrown out a fair bit, which is the bubble word. Yeah. Um, I guess it's funny from a psychology, you probably see this on the on, on the buyer side. So when buyers are coming through, they're like, oh, I'm worried about prices going down and, and I'm buying, worrying about buying the wrong time. And as soon as they buy it, it's like, how much has it gone up by yeah, now? And it's I like, know. it's funny how that tune changes and, and fair, it's fair. But it's funny that when you're looking to buy, you're waiting for the market to come down. But as mm. soon as you have bought, now you're waiting for the market to go up. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's what we're, you and I are probably on the same page was just getting to the market. It's, it doesn't it's, matter we when. We don't see the property crash and burn. No. We've survived the pandemic. We've survived the GFC. GFC. The Australian property market has a fair amount of resilience to it. And there's a lot going for it as well as this huge amount of demand that still isn't being met at the moment. A hundred percent. And look, we're Australians are property centric. We're obsessed by property. 
most countries around the world that come here that, you know, people from other countries go, I can't believe why Australians are talking about this. I was speaking to someone in Byron who's originally from Belgium and she was selling her house. Oh, Europeans just do not get it. They just buy one property for their whole life and then they pass it down to the next generation. So they don't buy and sell. Americans fix for 30 years and they're like, what, you fix for two years? I'm like, yeah, best. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So we liked we like to talk about it. Like it'd be very unusual for me to go to a barbecue or a, ha- a dinner party okay. without somebody asking, asking me a property do. question. Well, they ask what you do, ask, and they go, "Oh, hang on, hello, hang on, <laughs> let me find out as much information as I can." Um, which I'm quite happy to help them with, of course, because I'm just as obsessed as the, you know yeah. the next person. But look, I don't like the B word either because if you look historically, bubble, so to speak, and, yeah. and things crashing, even like you said in the GFC 2007. Yes, we saw negative growth after that 2007 8 etc but it was going to happen anyway whether it was going to be then or later like 2017 we saw a dip in 2018 it's, it happens it happens in a long cycle if you're holding it for 10 years you're not going to only see up 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 oh, it's mate, going to go up and down be laughing today yeah well right? yeah yeah, so. thankfully, I, a lot of mine, except for the Byron one, this is the most expensive mortgage I've ever had. Oh, my goodness. When I was signing the documents, I'm like, the last time, because I buy and hold, yeah. and I was flipping, besides flipping, the last time I, I sold, I just sold recently to, to free up some cash to put into renovation in Byron. Yeah. And that's the first time I've sold in like 14 or 15 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, because the last one I bought for a flip, I couldn't part with when I'd renovated it. So Could I kept I it. Keep it. Yeah. yeah. I Thankfully, guess if they're now good quality properties. You don't have to sell them, really. Well, all of the, all of the flips that I've done are in the eastern suburbs, um, you know, about four under four Ks from the city. So you really can't go wrong. Yeah. I reckon we could keep chatting for, <laughs> all for day. Quite, quite some time. Um, <laughs> But Amanda, I just want to say thank you very much for your time. Thanks for your knowledge as well. Really, really appreciate it. And I can't wait to see what's in store for uh, for high spec in 2022. I know some exciting developments coming out. Yes. Um, so stay tuned. And if you do want to get in touch with Amanda, we'll include the details for your for your team and your business in the link uh, in the comment section below. And if you found this uh, episode helpful, feel free to leave us a review or give us a comment as well to make sure that uh, all your questions are being answered. But I feel like Byron has just been one of those uh, topics, one of those suburbs, one of those areas. It's just been what's going on and people are kind of scratching their head. But as you mentioned, being on the ground, there's so much going for it. Yeah. Good quality properties. These are these people that are buying that have great job prospects. So not I don't think that a lot of them even be financed. Those probably a lot of equity people are paying pulled cash. out, yeah. correct, cash pulled out. So I just one of those areas that you just don't think it's going to drop in value because there's such good quality buyers in good quality areas that are being bought, uh, being purchased there as well. Absolutely. Thank Excellent. You. Thank you very much for joining us, Amanda. Pleasure. Yeah, like I said, if you found this episode helpful, let us know. And until next time, take care.